0: We hear the language from athletes, teammates. We hear it from those that have served or are serving in the military. We even hear this kind of language when it comes to dysfunctional social groups that are involved in wicked things like gangs we hear the language of family, brotherhood, terms like that. But it's interesting that we don't use that same type of verbiage as enthusiastically when we talk about the church. We don't use the language much of family. And that's really missing the picture that the Bible paints of the church. The church is not a building that people go to. There's certainly a building that we meet in, and we're grateful for that, but that's not what the church is biblically. The church is not a series of programs and ministries. Biblically speaking, the church is a forever family. what it is. That's what God intends. And if you aren't experiencing the church in that way, if you aren't experiencing that depth of relationship with brothers and sisters in Christ, if that's not your experience, then this sermon is for you. Because we believe that if we're going to experience each other as family, then we've got to be connected. And so keeping that in mind, turn with me to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, verse 42. Acts chapter 2, verse 42. We are continuing a series of sermons I began last week. We're simply calling it Vision 2017. And I love to take the first part of the new year to remind you and remind me concerning what our church is all about, and to kind of recast that vision and rally us behind that vision. And this vision series is intended to answer three questions for you. The first one is, what is our vision? This is a question of clarity. I shared this with you last week. We want to be crystal clear as to what our vision is. My goal is that if someone comes up to you at work or in the community, and they say, tell me about Longview Point Baptist Church. You can share with them the vision of the point. The second question I want this sermon series to answer for you is, what is our process for making disciples? This is a question of strategy. In other words, how are we going to realize our vision? How are we going to get there? What is our strategy to move us in that direction? And the third question is, where am I in that process? We want you to look at our disciple making process and evaluate your own life. Where How am I plugged in to that process? And so uh, each week we're going to rehearse together our vision statement. If you've been here for any length of time, you've heard this vision statement before. It's in your bulletin. We hear it on the announcement video and it's very simple. Our vision is to expand his kingdom across the street and that you said that with a very little enthusiasm. That Let's say it like we mean it. You ready? We want to expand this kingdom across the street and around the world. That's the kind of church we want to be, a kingdom-expanding church. And our vision has four components. Our our logo, the point, you see that little icon uh, for the O. And it has four segments, that icon, and that is intended to communicate the four parts of our kingdom vision. Last week we talked about kingdom citizens. As we share the gospel with those that are lost and they get saved, God takes them from the kingdom of darkness and puts them into the kingdom of light. He, he brings them into the kingdom of God. So we want to see more and more folks brought into the kingdom of God through Jesus Christ. That's why we share the gospel. We talked about that last week, about sharing our story, telling his story, so people can be saved and become a part of the kingdom of God. We talked about going to your oikos, your sphere of influence, and sharing good news. We talked about looking for divine appointments. I had a church member tell me this past week that at the bank, they had a divine appointment. We're able to to turn the conversation towards Christ because they were looking for that opportunity. And so that's awesome to hear. We want to be a church that sees more and more people here in our community and around the world becoming kingdom citizens, right? This morning we're going to talk about kingdom connections. Once you are a part of the kingdom of God, it's time to get connected with the body of Christ, the family of God. We'll talk about that some more in a moment. The third part of our vision, uh, the, fourth com- the third component, if you will, is uh, related to kingdom families. We want to uh, in- encourage and equip our homes to be kingdom outposts that shine brightly for Jesus Christ. We'll talk some more about that next week and i'm excited to share that with you and then the fourth component of our vision is uh, related to kingdom advance we want to plant new churches we want to send teams out and send people out to go to the nations with the gospel of jesus christ we want to advance the kingdom we want to be consistently going and sending as a church you'll notice uh, in the middle of our icon there's a cross And the cross reminds us that the gospel of Jesus Christ is central to all that we do. All that we do revolves around the good news that Jesus saves. If we are a church that is not founded upon the shed blood of Jesus Christ, we are just a social organization. And so we want to be a church It's all about the gospel, the death, the burial, the resurrection of Christ, the only hope for humanity, and the cross in our icon reminds us of that need. And So those are the four components of our vision. We're walking through those one week at a time. And this morning we're going to talk about kingdom connections, about being connected with each other. And our starting point will be the Word of God, Acts chapter 2, verse 42. I want to ask you... This morning, if you're physically able to, please stand with me in honor of the reading of God's Word. Acts chapter 2, verse 42, the Bible says, "...and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching." Now, who are the they? Well, the they refers to the 3,000 people that had just gotten saved on the day of Pentecost. On that day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came upon the apostles with fresh power for preaching the gospel... And Peter preached the gospel there in Jerusalem, and 3,000 people were saved. And we see what happens next with these 3,000 people. We see the the aftermath of 3,000 people getting saved. It says, "...they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles, and all who believed were together and had all things in common." And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. I studied this passage in my quiet time last week, and I was looking at that verse. The Lord added to their number day by day those who are being saved. I wrote in the margin, Lord, do it again. What would it be like if we saw people saved every single day through the ministries here at Longview Point Baptist Church? Game changer, right? Keeping that in mind. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. You are worthy of worship and praise. And what a wonderful opportunity we've had to gather together today and exalt you, the one who is worthy of worship. And now as we continue to worship you through studying your word, I pray that you would move in a very powerful way in our midst. Lord, by your spirit, would you open the eyes of our hearts, help us to understand your word, and help us to think deeply and carefully about how it applies to our lives and to our church family. Lord, would you use your word, applied to our hearts by your Spirit to change us. And may the gospel of Jesus Christ be lifted up in this place as we are reminded once again where our hope lies. It lies in the finished work of Christ. remind us of that again. And we'll thank you and praise you for that grace. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. Extraordinary passage. 3,000 people saved and the aftermath is very interesting. We see the Christians here gathering together for large group worship in the temple. I mean thousands of folks there worshiping Jesus. But then They would meet in small groups in their homes. It's very interesting to see that large group, small group dynamic. And that's what we want here at The Point. We want to have wonderful, Christ-centered, Bible-based, corporate worship where we gather together, we celebrate, we encourage, we equip, we challenge, and we leave this place renewed and determined to live for the glory of God. We want that large worship uh, large group worship aspect in the life of our church. And hey, by the way, how about the music team this morning? Was that incredible? Uh, praise the Lord for them and they're leading us to the throne of grace. Uh, but, but we want to be that kind of church, large group, vibrant, dynamic, reverent worship. But we also want to be a church that meets together in smaller groups because if we don't connect in smaller groups, then we will have folks get lost in the crowd. And we love you and care about you and don't want you to get lost in the crowd. We want you to get to know some folks here so you can have those relationships that are going to be uh, integral for you to grow in your faith. And so we want you to get connected. We're glad you're in the kingdom. Uh, we're, We're glad you're here at our church. But we want you to get connected. That's your next step. If you're a Christ follower, if you've been saved, and hey, by the way, we had a gentleman saved last service. Praise the Lord for that. A dad, a husband, gave his life to Jesus last service. God is good. God is moving. So we want to see you saved. We want to see you a part of the fellowship here at Longview point, And we want you to get connected with a smaller group of folks. Now, the first step in connecting with others at the point is to join a connect group. That's why we call them connect groups. When we say the name, we are, we are relaying the purpose for their existence. We want you to be in a connect group so you can connect with a smaller group of folks. And that we think that is important because we don't want you to get lost in the crowd. Now, some of you are here this morning and say, wait, I want to be lost in the crowd. I, I want to keep a low profile. I don't want anybody getting up in my business. So I'm just perfectly content being lost in the crowd. Well, listen to me. We want you to consider how God has designed the body of Christ for your growth. And God has designed for you to get connected in the family and in the context of that community, you will see growth in your life. And so when we talk about a connect group, we want to see three things happen in our connect groups. This is what our connect groups are all about. And we believe that as these three things are happening we will see greater and greater kingdom connectivity. So here's the first thing we want to see in our connect groups. Maturity. Everyone say maturity. Look what it says there in verse 42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, the breaking of bread, and the prayers. And so we know that they were gathering in a large group to hear the apostles teach. God was speaking through them. And the apostolic teaching collected is what we call the New Testament now. So we base our ministry here on apostolic teaching, the the New Testament and the Old Testament as well, the Bible, the Word of God. But the people were gathering and they were hearing the apostles teach truth and then they would get into small groups where presumably they were unpacking the things they learned from the apostles, spending time together focused on the truth of God's Word. And so in the context of their putting themselves under the authority of God's Word, God's truth, they were growing, they were maturing, which reminds us that the Word of God is the foundation for our faith and practice. And I can't over-communicate that. The Bible, the Word of God, is our ultimate foundation for faith and practice, what we believe and how we live out our faith. The Bible is the authority, period. And we need to remember that. The Bible is the authority for our corporate gatherings, our large group gatherings, and the Bible is the authority, the foundation for our connect groups as well. Because here's the deal. When you were saved, the Bible says you were born again. Right? So you might say it like this. When you were saved, you were a baby Christian and needed to grow into a maturing Christian. And over in 1 Peter, we are told how a Christian grows in their faith. It says we are to long for the pure milk of the Word, so that by it we may grow in respect to our salvation. And so you will not grow apart from a consistent intake of the Word of God. It's just not going to happen. It's like telling a baby to grow when the baby doesn't have any milk. If we're going to grow, we must have the Word of God in our lives and so in the ministries of our church the word of god is our foundation it is our authority because when we consistently saturate ourselves with scripture and engage the bible we will grow in our faith and here's what we believe happens in a small group as we gather together study the bible and apply god's truth to our lives we will experience spiritual growth we believe that, that spiritual growth happens best in the context of a small group where you have relationships, where people are encouraging you and challenging you and praying for you. They say, Wade, why do you believe that's the best method for people to grow in their faith, to get in a small group and learn the Word of God in that context? I believe that's the best, me- best method because that's the method that Jesus modeled. And we're not smarter than Jesus. Can I get an amen? How, how did Jesus start a movement that changed the world? He didn't walk by some fishermen one day and say, hey guys, put down your nets and sign up for a seminar. What did he say? He said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Jesus gathered 12 men and they lived life together. They walked together, they talked together, they ate together. Jesus taught them, Jesus encouraged them, Jesus admonished them, Jesus corrected them, Jesus inspired them, and Jesus poured into their life so that when he died on the cross and rose from the dead and ascended back to the Father, those men had matured to the point they were ready to go to the world with the gospel and as the Bible says, turn the world upside down for Christ. That's the method Jesus used. And and why would we do something different than what Jesus did? It was a small group. People living life together, founded on truth. And in the context of those relationships, they grew. We believe that if we can get you in a connect group that's founded upon truth, and you develop relationships, and you're learning truth together, and you have a support network, Around you, that you will grow in your faith. Maturity, we want to see that happen in our connect groups. If you're just in the crowd, just kind of lost in the crowd, no one's checking on you, are they? And as to how you're doing in your walk with God. What if we got connected and, and checked on each other? How's it going? How's your relationship with the Lord? Begin to ask those sorts of questions. We would see exponential growth in spiritual maturity. Which leads to the second word. Not only do we want to see maturity in our connect groups, we want to see ministry happen in our connect groups. Everyone say ministry. Look what happens here in verse 42. It's really phenomenal. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, the breaking of bread and the prayers. Now there's debate over what breaking of bread means. Some people believe it means they just ate together in their homes. Some people believe it means they celebrated communion together in their homes. Probably it means both. They certainly got together and they ate together, uh, and, and they also probably regularly celebrated communion together. And it says in verse 43, All came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. Now look what happens at verse 45. They were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. Now this is phenomenal. And to understand what's happening here, you need to understand the challenges of being a Christian in first century Jerusalem. You see, for people to follow Christ, they had to say to their family, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. And their family, friends, co-workers, did not believe Jesus was the Messiah. They were still waiting for the Messiah. And so for someone to follow Jesus as the Messiah promised by God in the Old Testament, many of those new Christians had to walk away from their existing relationships. Some were kicked out of their homes. Some lost their jobs. Some were, some were spurned by their friends. And so, these new believers who were experiencing the challenge of following Christ in Jerusalem needed some encouragement. They even needed some financial help. Imagine someone losing their job overnight, and they got to feed their kids. And here's what the Christians began to do in their small groups. They began to say, you know what, I've got a field over there that I was holding on to. It's, it's family property, and I was thinking about you know building something on it one day, but I'll probably never get around to that. Uh, and it's just sitting there, and, and so I'm going to sell that piece of property and take the money that I get from selling it, and I'm going to use it to help support this new believer and his kids who need food to eat. And they begin to do this and and just organically begin to pull their resources and help each other. They begin to minister to each other. And we want to see ministry happen in our connect groups. We believe that as a small group of Christians live life together, they begin naturally to minister to each other. When you get in that small group and you begin to know each other, you hear what's going on in each other's lives, you begin to obey Romans 12. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Help those that need help. Ministry happens. A few weeks ago, I went to a funeral of a church member's father that had passed away. And the funeral was in the Delta, pretty good little drive, about almost an hour and 15 minutes, something like that, away from from here. And I got to the funeral home, and I walked in the funeral home, and there were two rows of folks from The Point who were in that church member's connect group, and they were there just to support their, their family member, their church family member. And I walked in and said, hey, we can have Church! A lot of folks there from the point. And I've seen that over and over again with different folks in different situations. A lot of times when I get to the hospital or a staff member gets to the hospital, there are Connect members already there ministering, helping, praying, sitting. And that's awesome. That's what we want to happen. We want to see ministry happen in our Connect groups. Now you might be here and say, Wade, I'm in a Connect group. And I've never experienced that. I'm at this church. I have not experienced that level of ministry. Well, come in real close. Be patient with folks. Because listen to me. The folks that you're around, they got issues. And listen, so do you. We all got issues, don't we? Be patient with folks. And if you see something needs to be addressed, address it. You be the answer to the problem. You start modeling what it looks like to minister to other folks. We don't claim to have this down perfectly. We've all got room to grow. Can I get an amen? I mean, families are dysfunctional. Is your biological family, is there any dysfunction in your family? Yeah. Is there any dysfunction in the body of Christ? Yes. We're sinners saved by grace. We're not where we need to be, but hey, thank God we're not where we used to be. Amen. Amen. But we need to grow. And so be patient. It's the body, it's your family. Be patient. Love each other. Love each other through it. And as you spend time around other believers and you are living life together and you are ministering and praying and encouraging and challenging, that ministry will begin to happen in an ever increasing way. Because here's the deal we need others, we need others to encourage us to hold us accountable, to help us. Listen to what Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 and 25 say. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near, the Bible says that we need others to stir us up. We need others to encourage us to do good stuff, to live for the glory of God. And you can't encourage each other. You can't stir up each other if you're not together. If you're not meeting together. So, as we meet in connect groups, our name for small groups, we want to see real ministry happen. We want to see the church family being a family. That's the goal. It's happening in great ways. And we want to see it happen in an ever-increasing way. And so our connect groups are about maturity. Our connect groups are about ministry. But third, our connect groups are about multiplication. And I've got some things to share with you this morning that are going to really challenge you. But to kind of give you some context, these principles I'm going to share with you in the next few moments are principles that we've been teaching all over the world. We've been privileged by the Lord to be able to go to different continents, different countries, and meet with believers and teach them how to multiply. And over the years, as we've taught this material, we've been thinking about, hey, what would that look like in Hernando? How do we apply these things we're teaching to believers that are working, that God is using? How do we apply those to the ministry here at Longview Point? And we've thought long and hard about this. And we believe that the Lord has led us to some very clear strategies that we can implement through our connect groups that will help us to multiply. So you say, Wade, what do you, how, how does this happen? How do, how do connect groups multiply? How do we see people reach through our small Groups Number one, by branching. By branching. Now the biblical basis is found there in verse 47. Praising God, having favor with all the people. The Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. And I believe that we can see more people saved if we will branch. Wait, what do you mean by branching? Well, think of it like this. You and I should be mindful of the size of our connect groups. Because when a group reaches 15 to 17 people, it should divide to start a new group. So why is that the case? You know, I've passed churches. A large Sunday school was held up as a virtue. Like, my, my Sunday school class has 100 people, and we're so big we have to meet in the worship center before church. We have a great group. My question would be, and I'm not disparaging that good ministry can happen in that large Sunday school, but, but my question would be, how many of those 100 people can participate in the discussion? How many of those people can share their hurts and their needs and ask questions about the Word of God? The question would, the answer would be a very low percentage would actually participate in any kind of discussion. And we believe that that small group setting is the best place to grow. That's what Jesus did. He had 12 We're saying, hey, we'll give you 15 to 17, all right? Because if you get much bigger than that, not everyone has a seat at the table. And people, listen to me, people can get lost in the crowd of a connect group. Not just this large group gathering, but if your connect group's too big, they can get lost in that crowd. And they're there, they're present, but no one really knows how they're doing. And so we believe if we keep the numbers low, then everyone will have a seat at the table. Here's what happens in a lot of small groups. Whatever, home groups, Sunday school, whatever. You name it. Here's what happens in a lot of small groups. The group gets too big, and it becomes Bible trivia. And you have a new believer show up to a group, and the leader says, who knows who the wife of Ahab was. And someone says, Jezebel! And this new person says, I didn't know that. I don't know my Bible very well. I think I'm just going to shut up and listen. And the people that have been around for a while that maybe know their Bible pretty good and can tell you that Bible trivia, they're the ones talking. And others are just kind of sitting there, not participating, not not engaging the Scriptures in terms of application and challenge. Challenge. And practical steps. So we believe that that's going to happen. Groups have to be small. So here's what we're asking you to do. If your group gets to 15, 16, 17, pray and discuss, and as soon as you can, branch. That means if you have eight couples in there, you get four of them, you challenge them, they want to be used by God, and those four couples leave and go start a new group. And that way, now your group has room to grow and engage new people, and that group has room to grow and engage new people. And instead of one group, now you have two. And if those groups continue to grow and they branch, then you'll have more, right? It's multiplication. It's branching. Now, it's not splitting. If, if you've been around church for a while, you probably had a moment Years ago, and you were in a Sunday school class minding your own business. You're in there, and you had a great class, and you had pictures on the wall, and you had your coffee maker, and it, everything was just right, and you loved your class, everything was good, and the minister of education walked in and said, you're getting too big, we need to move some of you down the hall to room 200, and it was World War III. Because people instantly say, we don't want to what? split our class. Let me ask you a question. The question is not, do you want to split your class? The, listen, the question is, do you want to grow God's kingdom? Do you want to multiply? Do you want to see new people reach with the gospel? Do you want to give new believers a seat at the table so they can participate and be honest about what's going on in their life? You got to lay down self. You do. Sometimes your room gets real comfortable or where your meeting gets comfortable. But I believe that if we will keep the numbers small, 10, 12, 14, 15, no more than 17, then we will see really incredible things happening in the context of those gatherings. And so, we're going to ask you to branch. makes room for new people and allows everyone to participate. Not split, branch. And if your class right now... Your group is, is over the, the, the threshold. If you're you know, having 20, 25, 30 folks, then you need to be talking today or next week about branching. You need to, need to pray. Am I the one that needs to leave and take some families with me to another group so that we can reach new people and give everyone a seat at the table? So branching is the first thing. Here's the second thing. How does a small group multiply? Not only by branching, but by sending by sending. Here's what I mean by that. We want Connect groups to send people out to start new evangelistic groups. We want to see Connect groups send people out to start new evangelistic groups, which leads to the obvious question how in the world do we start brand new groups? Well, to do this, we've got to identify people of peace. And you say, well, that's a kind of a new concept. What do you mean by people of peace? Well, it's a a phrase that Jesus used over in Luke chapter 10. Look there with me, Luke chapter 10, verse 1. Jesus is giving some instructions to disciples he's sending out to go and share the good news with different villages and towns. And what he tells them is fascinating. Look what he says in Luke chapter 10, verse 1. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them on ahead of him two by two into every town and place where he himself was about to go. And he said to them, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Hey, if your prayer life has gotten stale and you're struggling with some things to pray about, pray Luke 10 2. pray that the Lord of the harvest would thrust out laborers to bring in the harvest in our community and all around the world. Go your way, Jesus says. Behold, I'm sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. Carry no money bag, no knapsack, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. Whatever house you enter, first say, peace be to this house. And if a son of peace is there, a son of peace, a person of peace... Your peace will rest upon him, but if not, it will return to you. And remain in the same house, eating and drinking what they provide, for the laborer deserves his wages. Do not go from house to house. Whenever you enter a town and they receive you, eat what is set before you. So Jesus gives us this phrase, son of peace, person of peace. What do we mean we say person of peace? A person of peace connects you with other people that need to hear the good news. Essentially, you are looking for where God is at work. And Jesus says, if you're going out sharing the good news and you find someone that's receptive and open to hear more and would even gather their family to hear more, they're a person of peace. Take them up on it. Meet in their house and share that good news. A person of peace is someone that is open to you, receptive for you, and receptive you to your message. And I'm going to encourage you to begin to engage your sphere of influence with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And while you're doing that, be looking for a man or woman of peace that's receptive and can be a conduit for you to talk to more people. So here's how it looks. When you lead someone to the Lord ask if they would be willing to start a Bible study in their home, inviting their family, friends, and neighbors. When you lead someone to Christ, you need to strike while the iron is hot. Because here's the deal. What we do in church a lot of times is someone gets saved, and we begin to get them involved in church activities. Nothing wrong with that. That can be very helpful, very beneficial. But if we're not careful, we can insulate these new believers away from their lost friends and family that need to hear the same message. Right? What if there's another method? Jesus gave it to us here. If they're receptive, if they're open, if they're a person of peace, say, hey, can we meet in your house? Gather your friends, your neighbors, maybe some co-workers, and I'll share the same thing I shared with you to this group. And so, that person gathers some friends and family in their house. You show up at the designated time. Here's what you do. You share your story and then tell his story to this group. And as people get saved in the group, you begin discipleship with these new believers. You keep on meeting together and begin to disciple them. You know what happened? You've started a brand new group because you found a person of peace that opened up their home. So the vision is that you as a connect group challenge each other to do this. And you are sending people out to start brand new Bible studies, brand new evangelistic small groups. So groups are starting by branching. Groups are starting by sending. say, wait, this is crazy. I never heard this kind of stuff before. Can I tell you, It's, it's working all over the world. It's working in North America. People are actually sharing the gospel and they find someone receptive. They meet in their home. They gather the people together. They share the gospel. People get saved and they begin to disciple them in that brand new group. And then that group sends people out to share the gospel and find the person of peace and share the gospel in another home. And it grows. It multiplies exponentially. It becomes a, a movement that reaches so many people people for Christ. So wait, this is radical. Where are you getting this stuff from? Jesus. Go into the village, find the person of peace, share the gospel. Pretty simple, right? And so we believe that multiplication will happen through branching and by Sending, here's what we're going to do. We're going to begin to celebrate what we value. And so as you give us reports and your group branches, we had one branch last week, by the way, or two weeks ago, or a few weeks ago. Praise the Lord for that. A group meeting in a home branched. They started a new group across the street because they were getting too big. We're going to begin to celebrate branching. And we're going to celebrate sending. And when we see someone saved... And they need to get baptized. We want that connect group that was instrumental. We want them around the baptistry celebrating with that person getting baptized. We're going to celebrate what we value. And wouldn't it be awesome as we see people saved weekly? What if we had to roll the baptistry out every week? What if our water bill went up? Amen? Branching and sending. Now, listen if you and I take this seriously and we really begin to branch for the sake of the kingdom and we really begin to send people out and start evangelistic Bible studies in the homes of people of peace we're going to see growth we're going to need space and listen to me we don't have the space here we don't have unlimited potential to reach people by them gathering here on this campus. Now, we're adding to some space, and that's wonderful, but we don't have extra small group space. We just don't. You may see a room empty at one hour, another hour, but to be honest with you, our preschoolers need more rooms, our students need more rooms, our children need more rooms. We really need the space for our age-graded ministries on Sunday mornings. And so if we're really going to grow and start new groups is going to have to take place outside of this building. And so, I want to challenge you to begin to discuss, if you're on campus, to begin to discuss what it might look like to meet some other time in a home where branching and sending can more naturally happen. Let me show you a map. To kind of illustrate this, that's, you see the icon there on that map? That's where our church building is located. Mackinville and Bahaly. We are grateful for these facilities that God has provided. Grateful for the campus expansion going on. And we want this to be a ministry center where we are reaching more people and training them and sending them out for the glory of God. We're grateful for our facilities. But we don't have enough room on this campus if our small groups are really going to multiply. But you know where we do have room? Your home. And it's free. Well, it's free to us. You're paying for it. But it's, it's, it's your home. You're there already. And these little dots on the map represent church members and where their homes are. Your, your, your dot's up there somewhere if you're a church member. Now look at that. Look at the potential for us to reach Hernando and surrounding areas by meeting in homes. What if those dots were gospel hotspots? You know what a hotspot is? A place that has wireless, right? Everybody has wireless now. What if those dots were gospel hotspots where people can get connected with Jesus? And with a group of people that will love them and encourage them and care for them. Do you see just by that map the incredible potential we have to impact people outside of these walls? And we will have unlimited potential for growth in our connect groups. Because we'll be we reaching more people, there'll be more homes available. Can I get an amen? So, hey, this is radical. It's really not. Way back in the first century, they met together in a large group, and then they just naturally, hey, let's meet together in our homes. And they had great impact in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria, and their impact spread to the uttermost parts of the earth. And so here's my point this morning. As we study God's Word together, live life together, and serve together, we will grow into faithful multiplying followers of Christ faithful multiplying followers of Christ God can use you and use your connect group to expand his kingdom may we let God use us for his glory